winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Today, I'm talking about pathological lying, what it is and how it compares to normal lying. You know, I feel two ways about it. The officiating was really poor tonight. Pathological lying used to be called pseudologia fantastica. I like saying that. But we still should have won the game. And it referred to people who told multiple outrageous lies that would border on the fantastic. We were one inch away on a lot of different occasions from winning this game and, and honestly several times very close to running away with this game. And those were more than just simple lies. These would include elaborate details that seem questionably believable. So we're, we're not going to use this excuse. We got to get better. We can't control the officiating. The motive behind the lying wasn't always clear, and sometimes it was just to impress people. I'm so excited for the back half of this year and so excited to keep coaching these guys. So, it, I'm ready to go practice right now. That's a fascinating press conference. I guess I missed that. Now I you watched missed the his comments game. from Saturday. Oh my well, god! I uh, knew he had made some, but I did he ever? I, I'm. I guess I don't remember any of the big calls that went against. Now here's the thing. I, I was watching the game, but I wasn't like totally glued to it until like the second half of the fourth quarter and I felt like they got the benefit of there, some things. There was a, Not they the, did. Well, that's the thing. There was a late hit on a quarterback on a third down that they – a call that went against them that Grinch did not like. Obviously, Muleshoe didn't either. But, yeah, USC was the beneficiary of some calls too. So, I, I don't think the officiating was great on Saturday. But I thought it was both ways. But, oh, it's just rich, man. Isn't it great? God. Uh, I just took so much pleasure in his misery on Saturday, crying about the officials. I mean, the officiating was terrible. You know, we really had to overcome it tonight. You know, we're not going to use it as an excuse, but, I mean, the officiating was really bad. It put us in some, some tough spots. It was outright bad. We're not going to use it as an excuse, but, my God, was the uh, officiating bad. Just typical, man. So great. Well, I'd like an explanation as to how in the world not only did they – the clock not run down on that long interception return, but how in the world did they end up adding time on that play? That was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, Didn't matter, though. Oh, inadvertent timeout by the official. Okay, so we just, I mean, eight or nine seconds at the end of the game, crucial, we're just not even going to count. Be like, oh, well. (laughs) <laughs> on to the next thing. I mean, they got a big benefit from that deal. But, dude, was that not the best day in college football that we've had in a long time? You know what it was? And as much as I hate 11 a.m. home games, and I hate 11 a.m. home games, that was a great day to have an 11 a.m. home game <laughs> because you got to uh, kick back and watch the end of OSU, TCU, Bama, Tennessee. Great that game. game. I mean, it was no, it, it was the best college football Saturday. And, God, OU won, Teddy. Yeah, it was the I best know. Saturday since OU beat Florida State. In two, uh, that wasn't on a Saturday, I don't <laughs> think, but you get the point. 
kidding, of yeah, course. Yeah, that was – it was fantastic. The Oklahoma State-TCU game was great. Um, obviously, the Tennessee-Alabama game was great. The nightcap, uh, USC and Utah was great. And, yeah, dude, we got a W. Winning streak – or, excuse me, losing streak is over. We got a W. Uh, we're headed into the bye week to regroup a little bit. Got some good positive momentum. Um, yeah, I know it was Kansas, but that's a that's a pretty salty Kansas team. They're pretty good. But you're right. Everyone um, has that opinion. And, you know, we'll, we'll see if Kansas was fool's gold or not. I, I tend to think that they're a pretty good team. But, you know, that was a top 20 win on Saturday. And for whatever reason, I, it wasn't treated as such. Because I guess it's just Kansas, and yeah. Kansas doesn't count. I, and I understand that point, but, you know, even in the postgame show, the tone was just, oh, yeah, you played well and, and beat Kansas. What's the 19th-ranked team in the country? Yeah. No, they're they're pretty good now. Um, are, are, they a, are they a legitimate top 20 football team? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if they are or not. I know we put 700 yards of offense up on them. And that hadn't happened in a while, and it hasn't happened very few, very many times in program history. So that was nice. Um, I know we gave up 42, but I'll tell you, man, I came away from that game, and oh, oh, like all things considered, okay, if we were a if we were a top 25 defense, I would not come away from that game feeling optimistic about our defense. I'd be frustrated. I'd be angry. But considering what we've seen the past three weeks, in my opinion, I I saw some things in that game that have me feeling optimistic about the back half of the season uh, defensively. Got some turnovers and, finally. I mean, I'll take yeah, that. And we can talk about some of those things as the show rolls on, but – you know, Kansas, that's a difficult offense, man. And it really, what they do well and what makes it difficult on a defense to defend is really what's been our Achilles heel the entire season. And the fact that we did what I thought to be a decent job, you know, I, I think it feels a little bit better heading into a bye week to get some things righted and you're starting to see mate I'm not saying we're over the hump defensively, but I think we can see the top of the hill sure. uh, finally. And I don't know. Like, yeah, it was late in the second quarter. Offensively. It was late in the second quarter, and I'm saying to myself, you know, outside of those first two drives, I mean, since then they've played, dare I say, pretty well defensively. They had like four or five drives where they get a stop. And I say that, and then we walk down. Uh, to get some waters before halftime hits. There's like two and a half, three mm-hmm. minutes left. And they have the uh, – you guys is like – is over the speakers, you know, down in the concession yeah. area. And I hear you say like virtually the same thing. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, Teddy's saying it, whatever. And then, of course, they give up that t- that quick touchdown drive before the half. It's like, God, they – I mean, they, they were on a path of, you know, going into halftime saying, yep. wow, I mean, that was a pretty good defensive half, and they give up that quick score. But – even with that, there were stretches where, especially in that, you know, first half where they were playing pretty well defensively. Yeah. Well, even the first drive of the game, right, the penalty was frustrating. You had them in third and six, and you get a, a stinking procedure penalty that gives them now third and one, That's and, of bad. course, they convert. 
but you know they have you have him in third and long, and Bean hits the tight end on when he's outside of the pocket on an incredible throw. Really good coverage by Aguebu, and they make a play on you. Okay, you know, credit Bean in, in Kansas offense. I mean, that's that's what we've seen from them. They're not. I mean, they're they're legit offense. Okay, and then even the touchdown on that play is tight coverage. Safety makes a play on on the player, tries to separate him from the football. Ball bounces like straight up in the air and comes right down to him, and they make a great play for a touchdown. I, even though the result of that drive is a touchdown, like you saw signs there that, you know, things aren't just horribly pathetic defensively. Yeah. And I know. Listen, we're grading on a curve here, right? We just got blanked 49-0 and gave up 55 the week before that. So, I mean, it's we're not grading on elite-level defense, which, you know, that's what we should be. And I know that, like, that's ultimately going to be the goal. But, you know, I could be, I could be proven wrong. There's no doubt, but I feel like there were some some good things coming out of that game. There were some bad, but at least you were able to complement it with some good, right? Like the second touchdown that KU scored on that second drive, the play that actually scored the touchdown, that that wasn't great against the run. That that was not – that wasn't good at all. Uh, The big play that they had late in the second half on that big run that they had, that that wasn't great against the run either. So there there were definitely some plays, a handful of plays where you say, yeah, that's not very good defense. But – on the, on the flip side of that, defensively, whether it was the C.J. Colden play, whether it was the Deshaun White play, the David Ahuebu, I mean, there were at least, man, at least some, like, really good plays defensively to counter the bad. And that's, that's an improvement, man. It's something. Right. And, yes, I'm making excuses. So, whatever. But some of those big plays are they're, they're one-off gotcha plays by Kansas's offense, Right. You line up in a, like an, an exotic, unbalanced formation and run some weird little end-around reverse play, and they hit us on that. Then they're an end-over and run a like a stretch play back to the, you know, away from the unbalanced side to where you don't have good numbers, and it's on us. We don't fit it very well, but it turns into an explosive play. But, I mean, that's what Kansas does, and that's what they've done – to everyone they've played that's what they did to tcu it's what they did to um not as much to iowa state but that's why they were what five and one coming in so yeah uh let's see how Tex- good did eight look man no uh, he looked um even with the three turnovers one wasn't they hit off uh barnes helmet right but even yeah even, barnes hitting even with that but, he's still great man yeah and you know the even the interception I, Mims gave up on the route, right? And I, I don't know necessarily whose fault that is, but um, he kind of gave up on the route there whenever Gil, uh, Gabriel was, was leading him. And then I, even the option play, he's trying to make a play there. I Some of those things are going to happen. you got to hang on. I'm not saying that you don't have to hang on to the ball. And I think those, those three turnovers definitely factored in negatively for our defense, but... You know, I, I still thought what a difference it makes to have uh, your starting quarterback out there. Uh, Patrick says he's a crying little bee. Uh, that's of Mule Shoe. Mule Shoe can <laughs> blankets. Riley blaming the ref is hilarious, like they didn't get an extra 10 seconds to try and win the game. 
And how about this one from the uh, 580? I like this. What an intro. Give whoever created that a 100% raise. My man. Yeah. Let's go. Hey, print that out. Please. And uh, print that out. Raise? Hand it up to management. Yeah, I agree. You and I both deserve a raise for that. Mm. Yeah. You worked really hard on that. You really did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you found the inspiration for that uh, opening <laughs> intro today, but by God, you did it again. Even Mitch yeah. liked it today. And if Mitch approves it on the text line, then uh, it was really good. Now, I, uh, I, I, I want to play this one more time before we hit a break. I, I love this from him. It wasn't an F-bomb. It was an S-bomb, but w- what? Are you Kevin Durant now? You moved out of the state of Oklahoma to the coast, and now you're all tough and like to cuss at your press conferences now? Is that what you are, Mule Shoe? What a punk. Are they going to start a campaign that Lincoln Riley is not nice? Isn't that what it was with Kevin Durant? Katie is not nice. Oh, yeah, those billboards were in OKC. Uh Fake tough guy. Ah, it was just great. Ah, I loved it so much. Perfect Saturday. Nearly a perfect Saturday. For an uh, OU football fan. And God, did this, did this fan base needed it. Did they yep. need it? I mean, the attitude today on the text line is a night and day difference than what it's been the past three Mondays. I'll, Re- I'll a little bit that. of positivity floating around out there? Yeah. Huh? I mean, yeah. Yes. How about that? A little bit. How about that? I like it. Yeah. Um, dude. There, there's some good things going offensively. That I run think game, the offensive man. line. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's it's going. Eric Gray. Are we, will the Eric Gray haters please stand up? Uh, All right. They haven't texted in since looks like week Friday, right before the Nebraska, Nebraska? game. Yeah, there are no responses since then. It's all dude, right. he's getting better and better and better. I think like three or four times we've we've said he's had his best game as a Sooner. And that's a good thing whenever you keep out doing your last performance. Uh, what do you have, like 176 or something like that? And making guys miss, spin moves. Where's that quick little uh, twitch, or as we like to say, the wiggle? Like he's little wiggle. He, he's got, he had uh, 176 on 20 carries, 8.8 a pop, two touchdowns. Woo. And I think it was the second touchdown. Maybe, maybe is the single most impressive play to me that he's made at OU. Because he scores a touchdown, and then it gets called back for holding. So it's like, dang, you know, they took one away from him. That might be a drive killer. You might have to settle for three. They hand it off to him the very next play on like a first and 17, and he ends up scoring a touchdown. It's like, man, okay. No doubt. Which, by the way, uh, if anyone has a, uh, a claim to complain about officiating, it was Oklahoma on Saturday. My goodness. Thought it was bad? That was uh, oh, horrible. Horrible pass interference call. That was a terrible holding call on uh, on Murray on the play that you're talking about. A terrible call on Mims being out of bounds on his touchdown. Oh, they that kicked was awful. A ball. Oh. Yeah. They kicked a ball out of bounds that hit the official that was standing out of bounds, and he called it a touchback. Um. I, it just the, the list goes on and on. The spots on some of the, the, the plays, like where they were spotting the football, was bad. Pretty, uh, well, pretty bad day n- officiating none worse, in you know, None worse, though, than Marvin Mims. Why do we have replay if we can't get the call right? And honestly, that wasn't even one of the tough ones, dude. 
That was kind right. of one of everyone that watched that on the replay and the multiple angles they had. That, that's a touchdown. I still don't understand why that was not called a score. I mean, that that whole that whole circumstance was weird. The next two plays, which I actually love that they were trying to go for a score there. You're three and three. Be aggressive. But it, it shouldn't have come to that. It should have been a touchdown. I don't understand why it wasn't. Why do we have replay if we're still going to get it wrong? Yeah, and he didn't even – they didn't rule him out of bounds. They ruled him down, which I don't know. It, so bad. If you can't see it flat out, can't see it, and he wasn't even looking at it, frankly, then – I. It's got to be a touchdown, and then you go to the if you if you go to the the review and you can't see that he's down. I I understand you go with the call on the on the field, but I don't know. It just it was bad. the whole the whole thing was uh, was ridiculous. All right, let's hit an opening timeout. Keep hitting the text line six five one. 3439 hanging out at Newcastle Casino today. Come check us out. We got happy hour every day, three to six. We got great promotions throughout the casino. We'll be back. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. This Halloween, don't get tricked. Go to the people who know how to treat you right. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno. There's Dylan Gabriel, over 700 yards of offense on Saturday for OU. Uh, What a day on the ground, through the air, and a big reason why that offense was able to have over 700 yards. Yes, Dylan Gabriel. Yes, Braden Willis. Yes, Eric Gray. Yes, Javante Barnes. But how about Marvin Mims, dude? On Friday, you asked me how many targets he was going to have, and I went what I thought at the time was a little bit of uh, on the aggressive side and saying he's going to have 11 targets. And you said, boy, I hope he has 11 targets. He had 16 targets, nine receptions for 106 yards, and should have had a touchdown in that play that we were just talking about last segment. Uh, they went out throwing the ball to their best player, and uh, yeah, buddy, it worked out. Yeah, um, he was great. He was great, and I loved the first play call of the day, taking a shot downfield to Mims and just showing that we're going to stretch the field vertically and and what a difference that makes whenever you can attempt to throw the ball downfield. And, um, you know, that's one of the great things about this offense. Whenever it's working the way it's supposed to, you stress the defense horizontally with the bubbles, outside runs, and you stress the uh, the defense vertically with the the shots down the field and the play action. So I thought it was great. Thought Lebby had a a really good day calling plays he and did. a really good game plan. And you know it it yeah it makes a world of difference whenever you have your quarterback in the game and you can you can throw the football. Uh, you got to be multiple, and that's what we were. And really everything worked. Pretty much, we only stopped ourselves all day long with the turnovers. Yep. That's about it. No, that was just what the doctor ordered. Uh, Three-game losing streak, and you have over 700 yards of offense going into a bye week. That offense needed some confidence, man. And they have as much confidence probably going into this bye week than maybe they've had all year long. For Gabriel to not only come back, but to play that well, that is um, 
if we were going to talk about best case scenario on Friday going into that game, offensively that was that was best case scenario, even with the three turnovers. So and now you okay. kind of you kind of know what you're going to get the rest of the year, right? I mean, these next two weeks are super critical. Uh, how how much can you get better defensively? Can you continue to stay hot offensively? I mean, this offense is clearly the better side of the ball. And if you're going to salvage this season and figure out a way to get eight or nine wins, you're going to be an offensively led football team. So let's I, – I don't expect them to have over 700 yards of offense every game from here on out, but they do have a side of the ball now that I, I feel like they can really lean on to win games here, here you know, yeah. moving forward. I agree with that. Uh, you know, I, I think – Defensively, you should be able to play well against Iowa State. Um, you know, Iowa State has struggled offensively. That's not any uh, big revelation. Everyone understands that. And um, they should you know, have won it, on Saturday. Jeez. Yeah. Oh my God, that deep ball with about two and a half left to Xavier Hutchinson that he dropped. Just, Leading receiver in the Big Twelve just dropped. Oh, it. just brutal, brutal. But yeah, I mean, Iowa State is. I know they are 0-4 in conference and 3-4 and overall, but I think we all know going into that game that like, that's a game we can definitely win, and I would say we, we should win, but by no means is that a give-me, right? So um, I think that this team is in desperate need of a bye week. This is a late bye week. You know, they've played, you know, seven weeks of this season after a, a long physical training camp and i think they're the as far as i know they're the last team in in conference to not have a bye week i think, I think iowa, iowa, state, iowa state have a bunch, yeah, yeah iowa state's got a bye this week yeah but other, they're the last two i believe and maybe kansas um but i'm not sure anyways late okay late and they are in desperate need especially with a three-game losing streak um sandwiched in there so Get a little bit healthier, get your legs back, uh, focus in and dial in on some fundamentals and some of the the things that have been giving you uh, issues offensively and defensively, and hopefully we bounce back and are ready to go for a a strong back half of the of the season. Because I'll tell you, you know, the back half of conference play is easier than the front half. Now Oklahoma State. Is is the one in there that has consistently been really good. They have a hurt quarterback. Everyone else is, is totally beatable. Iowa State, Baylor, West Virginia, Texas Tech, all those teams totally beatable. Yeah, no, and and that's kind of a question I'm going to ask the text line. You know, next segment, I guess we could just go ahead and do it now. Has your thoughts about this team changed at all? And you know, maybe I I, I would think that there's a more optimistic feel about the rest of the season than there was a week ago. Because there was a real doom and gloom feel a week ago of like, I I don't think that this team can win six games. And I'm sure that I don't speak to, er, uh, you know, speak for everyone here, but there does seem like, okay, you're four and three. You look at the rest of the schedule. All right. uh, Yeah, I I definitely think that they can get to six wins, but should I get a little bit greedy and start to think about seven or eight wins the rest of the year? If the offense is good the rest of the way, I, I think that that's a realistic situation that could happen. Um, do I think that they can go four and one the rest of the way? If that run game continues to progress, then absolutely I think that can happen. You'll have to play really good. You'll have to play better defensively moving forward. But, sure, I think 4-1 and one is, is something this team can accomplish. I think 
I think we have the the best offense remaining on uh, against the teams remaining on the schedule. Um, let me see. Baylor, yeah. OSU. That, I mean, we'll see what Spencer Sanders' status is moving forward. That's interesting. Definitely better than Iowa State. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a crazy take. I think our offense, even with Spencer Sanders, I think our offense is is better than like all things equal, everyone healthy. I think our offense is better than Oklahoma State's, but Oklahoma State is a really good, balanced football team, and we we just we don't have we can't match them right now today on the balance that they've got offensively and defensively. And I know defense they. They gave up some some plays there and, and kind of folded down the stretch to TCU, but um, they're still playing quite a bit better defensively than than Oklahoma is. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I it's uh, you know the statistics are going to be like when you if you just get on there and compare the statistics, we're going to be way behind everyone offensively because we played a game without Dylan Gabriel and essentially, I. I, not even essentially. We ran the ball with our tight end and running backs the entire game, barely even attempted a pass, didn't score. So like, they're heavily skewed ne- negatively sure. against us. So like, obviously whenever all things are, are firing, we're right there, I still believe, with the, the best offenses in the conference. All right, a few texts before we hit a break here. Uh, let's see. You made me curious, so I looked it up. Eric Gray – is still third nationally at 7.16 yards per carry. That's from Tito. Yeah. Yeah, well, how about this? He is second in the conference in rushing yards behind uh, Bijan Robinson. And like he's, he's behind by, like, I think 80, 85 yards. But he is behind him in attempts by – like 41 attempts and you know so i he's uh and he's accelerating as we move forward he's getting better and better each week so yeah yeah i i, I really like what i've seen from eric Gray 972 area code a little annoyed with some of the gabriel misses but i guess that's nitpicking if that's how you even spell it laughing face emoji that that is interesting because if you would have said to i think either of us before the game on saturday Hey, OU's going to have over 700 yards. I'm guessing we probably would have said, "Oh my gosh!" Like it's just your day. Everything goes right. You're hitting on all cylinders. You're not making very many mistakes. You don't turn the ball over. So I guess that's even a, another reason to be optimistic about the day on Saturday. You scored 52 points. You had over 700 yards, and you still left some plays out there with the three turnovers. And yes, Dylan did miss on a deep ball or two. So it wasn't like it was absolutely perfect and you still had 700 yards. There were some things that you missed on and you still had that type of offensive day. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, what all misses he had. He had some deep ball misses, which, There was one to Mims on the going towards the north end zone that he looked like Mims had a step on. You remember that play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think, though, other than deep balls, which, you know – Think he, I still think he throws an excellent deep ball. You know, those are just typically not high completion throws. Okay, even when your guy has a step, it's typically just not a high completion throw. Um, he threw the ball away, which I thought 
it was big for him. We hadn't seen a whole lot of that. Early in the season, he wasn't throwing the football away. He was he was pulling it down, trying to create something and taking negative yardage sacks. So I don't know. I mean, he missed a he missed just like a couple of throws, but he had forty two attempts and you know, several throwaways in there. I don't know. I Go ahead and be annoyed at that. I'm I'm really 16 not. to 21 on third down, by the way. And wasn't it like 16 to 19 late in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I Jeez, probably. That is like a crazy stat. Uh, one more. Can you imagine how brutal these next two weeks would be if OU had lost on Saturday? Great job, guys. I'm through with the animal. Thank yeah. you. Uh, well, yeah, I can imagine how bad it would have I been. I knew exactly what it was going to be like. Yeah. It's not that hard to imagine whenever you, you're on a three-game losing streak. But, yeah, you know, like I said, I think the back half of the season, there's way more reason to be optimistic. Getting healthy, got a bye week here to, to regroup a little bit and, and refocus on some things and, you know, uh, as a staff, take a look at, at what you're going to face here down the stretch and, and identify some problem areas with those teams offensively and defensively and get a little jump on that game planning and, yeah, get out, recruit some. So feels good right now to have some some optimism. It does. Did you enjoy that uh, one particular member of the media around here thought that Princess Scott was at the game on Saturday? Yeah, that was was interesting. Hmm. That was interesting. Not out of the ordinary, but still – Interesting, right? Um, <laughs> it was expected is what it was, Yeah, to be quite honest. Which reminds me, it felt like the reviews mainly positive with the uniform. Yeah, um, <laughs> I felt so bad for Gavin Freeman, though, because he made that unbelievable <laughs> play and half the crowd stoops. Like, no, that's – and even the TV broadcast – uh, had to pause for a while. Broadcast. Yeah, I heard the radio. Every broadcast thought it was Drake Stoops, and it was, it was, it was Gavin Freeman. So no, nah, I mean, yeah, yeah. In, in, in person, they look cool. It's just it's hard to tell who was who, man. It really yeah, was. Um, I, I still liked him. I thought in person, I would have. I think I would have liked. Uh, maybe a couple shades lighter with the with the gray. Um, just not much, not much to where you had a little bit more contrast with the with the crimson that was in there. But all in all, thought they looked good. And after a little while, didn't really even notice or think about it. So uh, overall, pretty good. And there were some big recruits in, and those guys really liked them. So uh, all in all, good weekend. All right. Quick timeout. Keep hitting the text line, 651-3439. Hang out at Newcastle Casino today. Stay tuned. It is the rush on a reaction Monday. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, we want your thoughts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We'll get to that momentarily, but hey, uh, the crowd was good on Saturday. Had some doubts on uh, how many were going to show up and how into the game they were going to be. The student section wasn't all the way full, which you know was kind of to be expected, but 
For a team with a three-game losing streak and 11 a.m. kick, 83,874, you'll take that, man. All things considered, it was a really good crowd. I thought it was uh, an exceptional crowd. Um, yeah, I, exactly what those guys needed was to come home, be in front of a full stadium, uh, beautiful weather, play well, hear some of those roars and support. Yeah, I thought it was um, thought it was really good. And even uh, did you notice who I think like during the starting lineups, I think Dylan Gabriel maybe got the loudest cheer, but Brett yeah. Venables it wasn't far behind. Right, like, that was kind of the fans' way of showing how much support they still have for the guy, and judging by that, if that's any metric whatsoever, it's it's still very high. Right. No, I I agree. Um, I agree. And listen, there's there's frustration. I get it. I expect it. You know, Venables expects it. The players expect it. This isn't this isn't everyone's first rodeo. For the guys that have been here, they were nine and zero last year, and it felt about the same as whenever they were on a three game losing oh my streak. Gosh, so, so I mean, I, I think everyone around here understands like the level of expectations, which you know is ultimately what you want. Right, we all act like we want a a fan base that is just all all sunshine one hundred percent of the time, but it's just not realistic. Whenever you've won at the level of Oklahoma throughout the years, uh, throughout the decades, gosh, going back post World War Two, it's just it's the expectation, and that's not going to change. Right, so uh, settle in, continue to get better play good football, and um, we'll all deal with it. Text line says, was it a sellout Saturday? Yes, it was a sellout Saturday. And I think they'll have another sellout for Baylor and Oklahoma State. Oh, yeah. Especially depending on what goes down uh, for Oklahoma moving forward. Got the bye week here. Um, You beat Iowa State. You know, all of a sudden you're – you're five and three. You know Baylor is on a bit of a slide right now. They they've only won one conference game. They're a three and three football team themselves. Um, you know Baylor comes to town. You beat Baylor, and you're six and three. You got West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Tech left. Uh, all of a sudden, you know things can get real in a hurry, especially in this conference right now. I'm not suggesting that. Uh, we've got much of a chance at all to still play for a Big 12 championship, but I'm not ready to eliminate it just yet. Sure. Jake P. says, you guys were right. That crowd was amazing Saturday. I was there. I didn't expect it to be that full either, but everyone showed up and was ready to go. Uh, Let me get to a few more here. Thought we weren't going to have to hear that boomer crap after every first down. Please go away. Not my main takeaway, just making a point. Hey, I didn't w- hear it. It wasn't after every single first down. It was um, when the timing fits. That's when you heard the <laughs> strategically Boomer. after. I think there were four first downs on the first drive, which OU scored a touchdown. Maybe five first downs, and he only said it once. If it looked like it, they were hurrying up to the line and it was going to be close, he did not say it. But right. if there was time, he he did yell out the he did yell out the boomer. Um. You know something that interesting that I noticed about 
our in-game experience. What's that? Actually, you know what? We're due for a timeout. Let's hit a timeout, and on the other side, I've got something I want to throw out to you and the listeners and, and see if they agree or see if I'm see if I'm in the wrong here. Um, just kind of about our game day experience, uh, in-game experience. And I don't know. It's, it's a bit of a suggestion for me, and it may fall on deaf ears. We'll see. Um, let's hit a quick timeout. Hanging out at Newcastle Casino today, I-44 exit 107. Stop in. Always great promotions going on. We've got happy hour here at the Front Row Sports Bar. TV's everywhere. Um, that's every single day with great deals on domestics and uh, and well drinks as, as well. So stop in. Newcastle Casino, I-44 exit 107. If you have a 24-7 emergency repair, call Cavens, 405-573-3048. That's 405-573-3048, or check them out, cavensconstruction.com. I guess you have some people nervous on the Air Comfort Solutions text line because Russ in Atlanta says, I can't hardly wait to hear Teddy badmouth the Sooner fans. So, your suggestion, please. I'm not badmouthing Sooner fans. I, I said... Something about the in-game experience, uh, but so here, here's what it is. And let me just first off say this: I never really noticed it until the game at TCU a couple of weeks ago. But <laughs> at our games at home. There is, there's hardly any, like, entertainment or music. It's all PA announcer. And I get it. There's, like, a fine line. There's a lot of things that we need to recognize. And maybe the game Saturday was just an extreme example. It was an extreme example. They did recognize everyone that was uh, ever gone to OU, though. Right. It, it's... I, all I hear is the PA announcer nonstop about please direct your attention to whatever corner. And, you know, w- we had the Prentice-Scott family there, which obviously, right, we had the baseball team there to recognize. I, you've got to do those things. And, you know, I guess that's part of having a great tradition and a good athletics department. But I like I just contrast it with what was – and I'm not saying our atmosphere was bad, but the TCU atmosphere was amazing, and it was like a dance party the entire time. Like every time out, they're cranking music. The whole crowd is like getting after it, and I think it takes away from the energy energy of our stadium whenever it constantly goes dead. Sure, in between plays and timeouts and. You have those things going on. It's like you take all the momentum away or energy from the crowd. And like I said, Saturday may have just been an extreme example. It was homecoming, but, so it was. It's but yeah. you know they have still have the the kicking for chicken, which normally is at the front <laughs> half of the game. It feels like, and they had it in the fourth quarter. I don't know if that's because they were waiting to do that this time around to uh, you know when OU was you know kind of decisively winning in the game or. 
it just got pushed back because of everything else going on at homecoming. But it's not just the PA guy. You, you know that they have that other hype guy that's on the field, right? See, I can't hear that. I, I have. I've, Is that I don't Malcolm that Tubbs even... who does that? Yeah, I actually think he does a pretty good job with that. He he does a really good job with that. Yeah, I don't know that I'd ever noticed it, heard it, anything. I have no, I have no clue who that is. That's amazing to me. Uh, Not surprising, I'm, but still amazing. Is it so? And it comes through the same speaker system as the PA guy. Yeah, it's a lot louder though because he's a lot louder. He's got he's got a lot of energy. He's trying to get the like that's his job, man. Is it? He's trying to right. to his best abilities keep the crowd engaged. They'll do like the uh, the Lion King cam during the timeouts, you know. And right. he's kind of like going about that, trying to get people hyped up. Like if there's like the flex cam or whatever it is, he's you know trying to get people up on their feet and like in- interact with that. So they they've at least tried. He, he does a good. He does a good. Really does that role well. I think. Yeah. All right. Just uh, just something that I noticed. But I think the ov- sure. I mean the overall thought is not. I mean I I don't think it's unfair. Sure. Yeah. And all that being said, I still thought the crowd was really good. Really good. I I think it's hard almost, though, if you're in the crowd, to stay energized and because of all of the breaks in the action that we throw down there on the field. And um, I guess maybe that's usually not the case, but I don't know. Just, a, just an observation. Don't kill me, guys. They're not killing you on the text line. <laughs> oh, hell, Teddy's right. Move the Chick-fil-A Nuggets <laughs> to the fourth quarter is what one guy said. Uh, pre-game kicking for chicken, is that what we should do? Dude, they used to do that. It wasn't the kicking for chicken, but like at 99-2000, they used to do the whole punt, pass, and kick on the field during the timeout. That was that really? was Yeah, yeah. Now they just do the field goal, you know? They used to do the whole punt, pass, and kick, though, back uh, in the early Stoops days. That was cool. Nice. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We got hour number two next.